about to enter a world of pain, suffering, and laughter. That was my dog just exhaling, which you know (laughs) is the sound of another episode of Worst Gig Ever. Hey, everybody. I am Mike Pace. I'm Jeff Garlock. This week, (laughs) someone just, just my dog just let all the air out of my dog. Sounded like a tire going flat. It did. You know what's not flat? This week's episode of the podcast, we have Eleanor Friedberger, the lovely Eleanor Friedberger. She, She does it all. She really does. Sings. Uh, she plays guitar. She may even dance. She, I don't know, maybe. But she's, she's a... Not on the podcast, but in life, not, maybe. She's a great conversationalist. Of course, from the Fiery Furnaces yes. and her own solo she work. She just had a solo record come out last summer called Personal Record. It's yep. on Merge Records. I highly suggest you pick it up. We have a fantastic talk. You I want, think all three of us are sick. We were sick at the time. She's got a bit of a head cold. You've got a bit of a head cold. <laughs> I got the end of one. It's a lot of... Uh, Nasal tone. There's a lot of nasal drip in this episode if you're into that. Eleanor told some great stories. There's a nice back and forth here. Mm-hmm. We also get into this great conversation of would you play rhythm guitar for the Black Crows <laughs> or Oasis Emphasis if you had the on chance? The great. It's 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 <laughs> it goes places I wasn't expecting it to go. Hey man, you ask a loaded question, you get you get a loaded gun. Yeah, what? that was there was a <laughs> you lot. Know, the classic saying: you ask a loaded question, you get a loaded gun. There's a lot going on in that saying. There's yes. also a lot going on in this episode. There's also a lot going on in all of our previous episodes. WorstGigEverPodcast.tumblr.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Facebook. You can write us, WorstGigEver, at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at GGarlock, at Mike E. Pace, at WorstGigEver. Check out our web series, YouTube.com, backslash WorstGigEver, to see our pretty little faces on there. And mm-hmm. you can listen with your tweaked audio headphones. You should really listen on these tweaked audio headphones. That's right. I gotta say, they got a nice tone. I've been listening to that new Behemoth record and it just, it's really kicking it up a notch using these tweaked audio headphones. You know, and you want to listen to Behemoth, you want to listen to, say, you know, the Black Crow's uh, Southern Harmony Musical Companion. I don't, but you know, I weirdly, I feel like it would sound better through tweaked audio. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com, enter the promo code WORST and you will get one third off of your purchase of a pair of headphones with a lifetime warranty. An amazing deal. Here's a question for you. What's your take on Metallica's Black Album? Me personally? Yeah. Just I'm just curious. Uh, almost unlistenable now. Just too many, you know, there's some hidden songs in there of Wolf and Man, but I think Enter Sandman's an unlistenable song at this point. I, I have so many other records to listen to. Well, you know, I ask you this. for All is that cutoff. That's your cutoff. You're a four-record four yes. cutoff guy. Jeff, purveyor of all things uh, hard rock and heavy metal. Just wanted to get the final word from you on that. Final word. I originally got that tape from my Aunt Nancy. I have an Aunt Nancy as well. Do you? They're not the same? No. When I was younger, she was very into Poison and Cinderella. She, she was that cool uh, relative. Yeah, who, which never, she never, like, looked it exactly, but she was into it. She had Ricky Rackman's demo 
that she had ordered from Ricky him. Rackman from the host. Yeah, I think he had a band called Cat House named uh, after the that club. Make, that makes sense. And yeah. she had ordered it, and she gave me the Metallica tape. That was where I first got it because she said it was too heavy for her. Yeah, which I was like, thanks. She also, for one Thanksgiving, bought me a single of Motley Crue, Doctor Feelgood. It was a oh. weird Thanksgiving. What was the B side on that? Rattlesnake Shake, perhaps? It might. I almost <laughs> do want to like find out because I certainly did. Or it oddly was just like Slayer's Rain and Blood, yeah. where it just looped. It was the yeah. A side yes. and the B side. Doctor Feelgood. Well, you're going to be feeling good. Ooh. After you listen to this episode of Worst Gig Ever with our special guest, Eleanor Friedberger. Get in it. Get in it. Get in it. My band, The Fiery Furnaces, we played at Roskilde Festival, which is a pretty prestigious festival in outside of Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a big deal for us at the time. And we were playing the set that was... There were no breaks. We weren't playing like song, clap, song, clap. It was just like a 45-minute set of music. Musical collage of sorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Or, uh, <laughs> the well, segues we, were built in. Medley. Medley. Yes. medley. Yeah. And, um, and so we played our set, and we thought it went pretty well. And then afterwards, like someone rushed up to our tour manager and said, you know, they're not getting their fee. They didn't play the full 50 minutes. They only played 47 minutes. <laughs> and we were just like completely floored and upset. Uh, and after like a lot of, you know, back and forth, I think we did get docked a little bit. We- I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. Another so they bad were sitting fe- there with a stopwatch. Yeah. Just yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. I went, did, they, did you have to end up breaking it down minute by minute? Like no, just I if mean, you were docking, like now I'm just picturing like, all right, well, three minutes would have been this amount. Like, yeah, like your prorated. Yeah. yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, uh, I, to be honest, I can't remember what right. the final, do- but it was, it seemed, you know, we were, they were, they're very serious. The, the Dutch. Danish. Danish. Yeah. Yeah. What are Dutch? Um, another bad Holland. festival experience was uh, we've another big festival. And to us, it seemed like a big deal at the time was the Fuji Rock Festival in Japan. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And this was just like, you know, you name it. Everybody. I, I can remember like Courtney Love coming back and forth. Some For some reason, that seemed like a big deal, seeing her like walk up and down the hallways. And our slot was at 1020 a.m. Oof. Which, you Killer know, slot. we go into that thinking like, wow, there's, this is a joke who, <laughs> right. no one is going to come, yeah. you know? And we played in a tent. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people camp and sleep outside at this festival. Is music 24 hours? No. No. Okay. No. We were the first. <laughs> <That was laughs> we were the first. That would be kind of cool. No. Yeah. Just, we were the first, 10, 20 a.m. And, uh, you know, a lot of people like to have a few drinks before they play, regardless of what time they're playing. Mm-hmm. And the bass player in the band at the time definitely <laughs> felt this way. And he was also half Japanese, and his father accompanied us on the trip, who was Japanese. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that made him also especially a little uptight. Um, so maybe he had even a few more drinks than he would normally have before a show. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the fact that it was 10 in the morning made it even less appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
he started drinking pretty early. We played at 10.20 and it actually was a great show. Like it was complete, the tent was packed mm -hmm. with Japanese kids and we were all really pleasantly surprised and mm -hmm. it was really fun. But fast forward, you know, you start drinking at about nine <laughs> and, you know, four o'clock rolls around and things can start getting kind of weird, especially when there are a lot of bands right. in a small space, <laughs> including a band called Jet. Do you remember? Oh, From Australia. Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. this band? They were really big at the time. Yeah. And uh, for some, you know, we were all kind of in the same room and my half Japanese bass player at this point was really drunk and he overheard one of the guys in jet supposedly say something kind of racist sounding <laughs> like asian racist uh -huh. kind of imitating maybe an accent not from uh, jet a mickey rooney don't, don't yeah. Yeah. tiffany's uh, <laughs> scenario <laughs> and um, they're big that's their favorite movie jet's favorite movie <laughs> so he heard this and he decided to confront him about this and the conversation quickly got heated <laughs> and the bass player in my band decided to smash a glass bottle over his head. Sure. Over the guy from Jet's head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is a very peaceful, half Japanese kind of right. man. Reserved, you know, very nice guy. His father's also in the room. His father's full Japanese. <laughs> <Yeah>. just... <laughs> But uh, anyway, so he smashes the bottle over his head. There's a scuffle, uh, but they break apart and, you know, it, it's fine. Except we get in big trouble with the festival people, like, for having this kind of violence <laughs> backstage. And our agent is very upset. And uh, he asked us to write a letter of apology to Jet and their management and, and the festival. Oh. Which... Um, <laughs> Which you did. Which we, oh, I didn't, but this guy did. <laughs> that is a bit, that feels but on like, behalf of the fiery yeah, furnaces. Right. I mean, it was just like, why? why? I was just felt so annoyed. Well, and... That feels like when I was like in sixth grade and had to write like a letter of apology for getting into a fight over a chess piece, <laughs> like right. in my classroom. But you're, you know, it was, it was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you read the letter? Yeah. You know, I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, this was, this was about 10 years ago. Sure. Um, so that's, that that's, that's another festival. I mean, how did how did his dad take it? Somehow we managed to kind of hide the whole thing from him. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, <laughs> he took it well. Yeah, because I was going to say something about Japanese and honor and thinking <laughs> right. that might be actually sort yeah. of racist itself. But, yeah, and then but. a bottle was smashed <laughs> over your head. Podcast over, yeah. oh, brother. Uh, I mean, it seems like yeah. Is it? Is it? I mean, you play a lot. Have you played a lot of festivals? Well, I, I had in the early days of the Fiery Furnaces, we did play quite a bit. I mean, mm -hmm. another one that just came to mind is this Australian festival called Splendor in the Grass. Right. And it was when the MC5 were doing a bunch of shows. Right. Was that with, and with they Mike had, Watt playing? Like, yeah, of course. And they had, they had a bunch of guest singers, oh, yeah, okay. including Evan Dando okay, uh -huh. yeah. and Mark Arm. Great. And Evan Dando decided to take something or do something <laughs> that made it impossible for him to sing. Right. <laughs> Classic Dando. So it was Dando. just like, really, Pure Dando. You know, we get, he get, it was, everyone was excited to see this. Mm -hmm. 
And he gets on stage. It was just like a baby, like <laughs> tapping the microphone and couldn't, yeah. just couldn't do it. Right. And then sat down and, and then That's later. He didn't even I, do any. He couldn't no, do anything. No, he just couldn't that was do it. it. But he Mark Arm was really good. Yeah. And, uh, and then I later I remember him kind of serenading me and another friend. <laughs> like, which you is, could do that. Which is odd because my experience with Mark Arm is that he, uh, he ran the mailroom at Sub Pop. Oh. So clearly I knew him from Mud Honey, but like he was also the guys right. sending out my records like, <laughs> right. Mark Arm, make sure the postage is right for that, which is always, you know, I get a, right. I get a box of records from Mark <laughs> Arm. Right. So I just know him as a, an employee. You've got to work. But right. he's a talented guy. Yeah. But no, Evan Evan was the serenading one. Like he couldn't perform on the stage, but as soon as he got backstage, he was <laughs> Man, he's a like songbird. a crooner. Yeah, I was just like, okay. Was, you know what's interesting is that just like yesterday or two days ago, I had heard something about Evan Dando's solo record that came out like 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And I was a huge Lemonheads fan. You know, it's a shame about Ray era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Lemonheads have like an amazing, you know, you can go back and there's some real gems there. And I listened to this Evan Dando solo record and I wasn't that impressed by it. Mm. I thought it was okay. <laughs> it's not really that surprising to me. But no, no, no. Such is the way. He's a talented guy. But, right. You know. This episode's going out to Evan Dan. <laughs> You're uh, a songbird band. I've always seen him wear, walking around. The, a couple of times I've seen him, like he's not wearing shoes. Hey, brother. <laughs> but not anyway. Um, Let's all have shoes on, people. Yeah, New York, New York City. <laughs> yeah, it's a filthy place. <laughs> um, what's another fest? The you know, of course, there's like the sick stories. You know, I've only ever canceled one mm-hmm. gig. And that was in Vienna, Austria. <laughs> Sounds like a joke, <laughs> but it was my. F- and I was disappointed because it was the first time, my first time there. Mm-hmm. Show up at the venue. You know, I don't know if you've toured in Europe much, yep. yeah. but you get there and there's inevitably cheese. Yep. <laughs> sitting there, you don't know if it's been there for five minutes, yeah. an hour, right. two weeks. Sure. There's no way to know for sure. <laughs> the hospitality yeah. plate. Yeah. But it's you know usually you're like so grateful and it's. Yeah, if you're excited about cheese like I always am, I start eating <laughs> yeah. it immediately. Yeah, and I'm like, it's a little warm. Like the cheese and bread <laughs> diet, yeah. two weeks, two or yeah. whatever. So I don't know if it was from the day before somewhere in Germany or whatever, but I get to this venue again, like kind of dig into the cheese, do the soundtrack, feeling really queasy. Yeah. Start feeling really nauseous. Go back to the hotel and then immediately start throwing up and having diarrhea like simultaneously like <laughs> on the toilet off the toilet, off the toilet. and <laughs> and that's something that i don't think has ever happened to either usually it's one or the other right, right? but yeah. it's like so violently like it's trying so, to get rid of whatever is inside of South me. european cheese it's a rare it's like european style yeah, yeah. whatever you were doing really bad yeah and again i've never canceled my brother, who was I was in the band with, like very, we're very tough people. You know, we can take a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just like, you, you can do it. It's fine. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I just can't. Like, I really, I can't. Right. He's like, J- all you have to do is just stand there. You know, just you can do. It. I'm just like, I just can't. You know. So we call our agents, say like, I'm violently ill. I can't do. It. And the promoter, they go back and forth, and they say, if I'm not singing, then it's not the fiery furnaces. It's not the band. And we're not going to pay you. Just like, and it was one of our bigger guarantees. We'd never be played mm-hmm. there. And right. It would have really affected the tour if we didn't get this money. So, you know, 
then my brother's like, you can do it. You've got to do it. I'm just like, I can't, I just can't. Like I'm literally just like on the floor of the bathroom. I cannot, I just can't do it. And then at one point I was like, okay, maybe I can do it. You know? And I like try to get dressed and it doesn't happen. And finally they, the rest of the guys go down there and just do the show anyway, hoping that the promoter would just, notice. Yeah. Just, and they do the show and the agent ends up getting at least half for us or something, but it's the one show that I would have, killed to see because it was my brother and jason lowenstein who was playing bass with us at the time like sang all the songs uh-huh. like as best they could <laughs> like a, uni- a one-off and, yeah, of, yeah and that's never happened yeah. never happened before never happened since and it was just like it would have been a great i, I don't know if anyone recorded the yeah. show or it's a legendary set yeah. now, now like, did you ever see that one yeah <laughs> nor couldn't make it yeah Blew so would, my mind. I would kill, kill to see that. And, my, and then afterwards, I was like, how did it go? You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's just like really, really, really rough. But I'm sure that they kind of had fun, you know? Yeah. Right. And that is the hard part, though, too. Like, especially, like, at a certain point of tour, like, you do rely on those kind of certain keystone shows. Like, right. that's something you just don't think about. But there are those, like, keystone shows where it's just like, oh, it's like either a college or it's this one big festival. It's like, well, this is going to pay for... The right. rest of this yeah. junk that we're right, doing, right, right. Yeah. Uh, which it, and then yeah, like I know, like I've talked about before, I would always get so frustrated with my guitarists and Panthers, just because he would constantly just be like doing terrible math mm-hmm. and just be like, "No, we're gonna end up with like a couple thousand <laughs> after if you do this and we get this," and and I'm just like, "You're not taking into account anything." Right. And I was like, "And that's hoping we get to every show and that they pay us the amount that we're planning yeah. on." Yes. Uh, because it was just always he was banking on, but we got that show, and that show's going to cover this, and then the math is completely wrong, right? And yeah. we're in the red. And I'm right. asking no, for we, money for people. We actually on our first U.S. tour, which was 2004, uh, it was all self-booked, kind of you know, mm-hmm. four four weeks or something, a week off, you know, with all the dates we couldn't get, and you know, getting paid. Anywhere from zero dollars to sure. fifty dollars, but we had a show with Franz Ferdinand in mm-hmm. Seattle mm-hmm. Uh, because we had played with them here, one of their first shows here, and they asked us to play with them in New York at Webster Hall. And we couldn't because we were on the other side of the country, but we told them that, and they said, "Well, why don't you play the Seattle show?" And that show, you know, we got paid maybe five hundred dollars, and that kept us like hit the West Coast, just go go straight in that and. It, it led us, you know, to the promised land. Right. Wow. The promise of the West. Well, the worst, though, is when you've got those shows that you think are the keystones, and then they end up not <laughs> like... We were doing one that was like... Our tour was... We had to go from Atlanta to Detroit, because, like, oh, they had gotten a show with, like, the Von Bondies at that time at, like, the fire... Or not at the fire... Oh, and, know, whatever that, that bowling alley place the is in Detroit. Stick. Yeah, the Magic Stick. Yeah, the Magic Stick. And our, like, yeah, our agent was like, it's going to be huge, and you're going to get so much... Like, and it was just like... The amount of money we wasted on gas to go and killed ourselves to get from Atlanta to Detroit. Right. Like, and then at, we got there and I was like, what the fuck are we running up here to play with the Von Bombies? I don't give a fuck. Like, and the show was terrible. Like, just like, no one gave a fuck that Panthers was playing. I don't think we sold maybe one shirt. And then it was just like, cool, we still got two more weeks. <laughs> and we killed ourselves for this drive. Mm-hmm. Did, I hate the drive. Did um getting back to the vomiting and diarrhea. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Was there we were talking about this with someone recently. I went through a spell and I don't know if it was nerves or whatever, but there was there was a period where I was vomiting before shows. Oh, and it was 
pretty much because like some venues you get some you get a lot like the empty bottle in chicago you get mm-hmm. the fettuccine alfredo you <laughs> really and then like, basically <laughs> have fucking fettuccine they alfredo. have better food now well, yeah. but I it was always surprisingly it, weirdly better. heavy every option was, was just like thing. well it's either heavy or heavier think just common sense don't eat a heavy meal before you right. play right. but we love to eat and it was like eh, haven't learned a thing give me right. some more fettuccine alfredo and then like but vomiting bef- and but then i'd feel great oh. and it wasn't even like a i don't know Making myself vomit. It's just like, I got to vomit before the show. Did you ever have any no, kind of no, like luckily, no. purging, <laughs> binging or purging? No, no. My d- <laughs> this, I don't know. I always keep this in my head for some reason. My brother, many, many, many years ago, was in a band with two women. And even three women, actually, at one point. And then it was just two <laughs> other women. And they would have this expression <laughs> right before they were going on stage. Like the two women would say, can I go let the dogs out? <laughs> and I don't know why that was their expression. Like, Time to take a shit right before going on stage. But that's always stuck with yeah. me. But then there's that weird uh, physiological <laughs> Just... thing that happens where the second you get on stage, like any kind of never have to pee. It's right. true. To, like, it's right? weird. It just yeah. goes away. Except yeah, for right. one time. You never think about Where yeah. our drummer, we're playing a South by Southwest show, left the stage between the songs. We did like a segue, put the delay pedal on. Right. So oh, Dan really? can run off stage to a porta potty. Right. He had to I've done really it. Badly. I've done it once, maybe like between the set and the encore kind of right. thing. Right. I guess like, taking a while it to get back. I think I actually didn't like taking a dump before I played either. <laughs> like I just like I liked, <laughs> like I mean, like because I also I don't know. I liked that. I didn't like eating before. I didn't want to throw off anything. Right. And so it was just that yeah. kind of like weird, like. I also didn't like, I didn't ever like feeling comfortable on stage in a crazy way right. now, masochistic way. That. Yeah. Like whenever it was too cold, like air conditioned, I was like, right. oh, brother, I'm not going to sweat enough. Yeah, the air conditioning's <laughs> bad. Like, and especially if there's a fan, like, especially I watch like, you know, a lot of death metal bands and when it, like <laughs> they bring fans on, like morbid angel that will blow their hair up. When I'm just like, seems terrible. My nose will get dried out. Like I won't be able to sweat at all. Yeah. And I, so yeah, but I never puke though. That's it. like I never yeah. like that feels that sounds terrible. I never puke. Yeah, I mean I've only puked like four times in my life. That's so. the thing. Really? Like yeah, like yeah. it's only been yeah the last time yeah like six years ago in like Italy once and like <laughs> you <laughs> know Fettuccine Alfredo. Went, well yeah, and that was where my wife like we had been together for like seven years at that point and she had never heard me puke and she woke up because she's like you scream because like i just am just like, <laughs> like i woke her up in a crazy fright because we had had fried artichokes and they did not sit well with me um, that'll do fried it. artichokes get you every don't time. go to the jewish ghetto in rome and get me fried artichokes because they'll make you scream puke um, i don't know about other women i mean i'm sure it's happened to a lot of Women, but the other kind of bodily sort of, you know, I remember being, there was a one tour where I only wore dresses. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I had three of them and they were all the same. I had this friend make them for me in three different colors. And um, we we're at this place that uh, doesn't exist anymore in Columbus, Ohio called Little Brothers, maybe. Oh, wait, was it, it used to be a pizza place or something? Maybe it's had like a really high stage. Yes, I played there. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a kind of a weird black room. Right. You know, it looks yeah. like there's a bar. There's a really high stage. Any really venue, stage. USA. Yeah, in, in with the high stage. Yes, yes. But we played our set, and I remember again. I think it was during this time we were playing just like one long set, and then at the end, 
<laughs> I remember like singing really hard at one point and just being like, oh, shit. Like, just feeling something was <laughs> funny. And then my brother, like, we wouldn't even get off stage to do the encore. We just kind of, and he kind of looked at me like, right, you know, like, we can communicate without talking. You know, he was just like, we're going to do the next thing, you know? And I was just like, nope, nope. <laughs> just kinda, and then I just looked down at the ground and I had bled onto the stage. <laughs> which. Which would Isn't have been that, maybe great in some other type of band. Sure. Or in the Jenna Torture or, 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 or something. Yeah, I get, yeah, anyway, he looks down and then we're like, all right, that's the end of the show. <laughs> you aren't, you're not L7. You're not going to no. pull the classic <laughs> Tanita <laughs> Sparks, pull her tampon out and throw it at L7, the L7, my second ever, like, cool rock show. Yeah. Bricks Zop are heavy, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I saw them on the Andre tour. Or Andres, whatever that. What the record after Bricks Are Heavy. <laughs> oh. It was called Andres. Was that with uh, Pretend We're Dead on it? No, it was the record after that. It was a major. <laughs> it was 1995. It was right. uh, the Academy in New York. Which was, Perfect. It was great. Uh, so menstrual blood on the stage is a rite of passage. Yeah, I, well, well, there I was, guess but, so. There was the, yeah, yeah, I, had, I haven't thought about L7 with the tampons in a long time, but that was like a classic. <laughs> Thanks, <Elmore>. Elmore. <laughs> well, it's unintentional. But, you know, I, I, it's... Sure, it's happened to him. Yeah. A did lot you? Of girls. I mean, not to be gross, but did you like? Were you like, I should probably clean this up, or did nah, you just walk away was, and just be I like, just let's like, just treat it like I spit on stage? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't enough to okay. like warrant them oh, in a broom, like, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. But no, you know no, what's no. interesting now? That stage <laughs> just like buckets. It's not usually how it yeah. happens. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's I assume, but <laughs> just like, a spigot that you yeah. turn off. <laughs> it's like the blood seed in Nightmare on Elm Street, where Johnny <laughs> Depp's blood just it's comes like out. It's like some drops, you know, you know, enough to notice. That stage was. I'm a 35 year old man. Doesn't understand women. <laughs> I remember that stage at Little Brothers being comically high. Yes, yeah, high. It's like nine... right, like so, like I was afraid someone could kind of look up my dress. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like the Rocket Bar at St. Louis. I'm so sad you never no, played there. I always played. Creepy Did you ever Girl. play there? I don't think so. It was just like this small shit bar, but like it was <clears throat> a catty corner stage. But like, like it was like it right. hurt to look up. Right. Like, and I was like, why is this so high? Yeah. It's, there's no one in here. There's yeah. no one ever going to come to this <laughs> venue. And especially when you had to pull a fucking SVT fridge up. Right. Like, I was kind of like, I hate this band. What? So, since you're kind of reeling off the stories. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm no, just no, 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 no. This is great. I'm trying, yeah. What I'm thinking of, any, like, how, did you guys ever get to the point where you were touring on a bus? Or no. Was it, it was always, always I've been bad. on a bus once in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then I've been as like a groupie on a bus, I would <laughs> say. So any any van disasters? No, I mean... Not the yeah. We've been really lucky with our van. And I've had the same van for 10 years. And really? It's got like 270,000 so miles. There's the Fiery Furnace's van. Yeah. Is it a... That's now my, you know... Okay. I I'm in possession of it, and uh, I've been touring with it for the last couple of years. It's like with my solo yeah. band, and mm-hmm. uh, no, I mean we've had a couple little, you know, we've had blowouts, mm-hmm. the tires, but and like the alternator failed, like the, the classic you know, stuff, yeah. yeah. But nothing. No, we've gone through every kind of weather you can imagine. Yeah. And, what what uh, kind of van is it? Forty three fifty. Yeah. What Extended cap. It's two thousand two. Oh, okay. So you got some, yeah, got some years left on that. <laughs> yeah. But are you in charge of like parking it and moving? Like I have been. Since okay. My brother mo- lived lives in Paris. So mm-hmm. and uh, I had parked it in Williamsburg forever. Now it's up at the new place in its own garage. 
oh, covered for the first time. I'm so envious. I was it's, just I'm complaining so how I can't it. get my car started because it's oh. so cold. Oh, really? And I'm so envious of the concept of a garage right now. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty special that it's finally got a roof over its head after all these years. Yeah. Well, I just baby's protected. Yeah. When we had, because we went through two vans before they, the second one died on us, and we just, then we just started renting. We were a three piece, so we could always rent like minivans. Uh-huh. But we would take that, we, and we had a 91 Chevy conversion van and then mm-hmm. a 92 Chevy conversion van. But like we'd be driving around, I'd go out to my mom's place, right. like, you know, run errands, help my, you know, my girlfriend move. Like yeah, it became yeah. like yeah. the party van. Who is yeah. the insurance under? Uh, I think Dan, our drummer. Really? Yeah, he was, uh, it was, he was re- fine no, with that? It was registered in Connecticut. It was Connecticut place. Oh, okay. Yeah, because so we kind of, between the two of us, because we, he lived, we lived nearby, like, you know, either he I think that was, but no one in Panth ever trusted anyone else to be like, oh, yeah, we, take care, be the person who's the take care of person and yeah. also to not fuck up for the other person. Right. So we always had to do rental, except for that one time with that trouble man van that I've talked about that like, <laughs> Kip and the band just <laughs> racked up tickets on, yeah. and it was just like it just happened. Yeah, uh, vans are scary to me too. Yeah, it's a lot. They're big. Yeah, they s- but they're actually like really simple, and they work. Yeah, very well. So I wanted to. I was, <laughs> I was curious to ask you your thoughts. Um, you know, fiery furnaces used to kind of get a lot of labels of like Prague influence. Prague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff and I are pretty big. Progressive Prog music heads. fans. Oh, big um, time. And I'm just kind of curious where you stand on that, like what you thought at the time. Do you, you know? Yeah. At the time, I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, <laughs> I still don't really, because I didn't listen to prog rock. I mean, and I still am not entirely sure, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I like yes. <laughs> we saw yes uh, a couple months ago. Yep. Oh, Westbury yeah? Music Fair in Long Island. Wow. wow. Solid show. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I think it was because we, I mean, I think we were labeled that because, like I said, we would play these long sets without any stops, and it was just like playing a continuous piece of music, and, you know, our albums have a lot of keyboards and a lot of changes, and, you know, a standard line that was like, you know, uh, you know, there, you know, there could be like 10 different melodies in one Fiery Furnaces mm-hmm. song. It's just like the way you, you know, use them is, is, uh, we would use them in, in different, maybe non-traditional ways. Right. Um, I'm fine with it, but I mean, we didn't go like, yeah, we're a prog band. I mean, that was just like never a conversation that right. my brother and I ever had. Yeah. What was your... Um, Did you have a conversation yeah. at any point? Because like, I find that interesting. <laughs> like, was there an idea of like, at, well, like going in, like we're going to kind of... <clears throat> or, or, or we're going to do this, uh, try to do something? Or was it, let, let's see what happens? It was album by album, yeah. for sure. And when we first started playing, I mean, it was just like, I've written some songs and my brother helped me with them. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of started playing. Right. Without thinking too much about right. it. And then... We made our first album, and that really sounded a certain way that I think sounded a little bit different from what other people were maybe doing right at that moment. And mm-hmm. then and then we made another album, which sounded really different. Right. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then after that, every album was, in my mind, very different from each other. Right. But really con- uh, consistent in terms of you guys are like putting out a record a year for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of exhausting. To Did think you about feel it. That, that you had like a, uh, you know, 
a place in you know the Brooklyn explosion <laughs> of the early to mid aughts. Mm, I mean, I'm sure we must have a little bit, but it didn't. We you know, especially because it was a band that was primarily just my brother and I. It didn't feel like we were um, a real band. Mm-hmm. I say that kind of because it was like a family project. And I feel like you're talking about your bandmates not being able to trust the other one with the right. band. You know, it's like that kind of stuff didn't play into it. It was just like my brother and I doing this thing. We were the main, you know, partners in the band. We would play with a lot of different musicians over the years, but um, it was really just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And, and that way, it doesn't didn't feel like a, a rock band, yeah, you right. know, because, you know, to me, like the romantic kind of cool thing about being in a rock band is with your pals and you guys all get the same jacket and you <laughs> tell jokes in the van and you're, you know, and you talk about getting laid or whatever, you know, it's just like, and that, that wasn't the band. Yeah, right. So, right. um, so, so I felt like jackets. we were, yeah, no, we didn't have magic jackets. Okay. We didn't really swap sex stories. Um, we, but so, and I felt like we were really kind of isolated or insulated or, you know, part of our own. I feel like we didn't fit in with all those other things so much because I felt like it was just like, you know, this weird family thing. Sure. Right. Speaking of family, like, what did your, pa- what, what your, what did your parents think? of you guys playing music together and how has their perception changed over the years? Well, who knows what they really thought, but I mean, outwardly to us, they were just really supportive. Mm -hmm. And my parents split up when I was about eight. Mm -hmm. And so once my brother and I started playing together and actually like had a real, like it was like our job, which I'm sure that just took them by surprise because right. we we became my brother and i became better friends as we got older but i mean that was something that they never would have dreamed of in a million years and um so that really brought my parents closer together and be, yeah. made them be better friends they lived in different parts of the country and so it gave them something to talk about and um and they were always really supportive not and not even being huge like rock and roll fans yeah. my dad only listens to classical music and but they never said like, "What do you? When are you guys going to get a real job?" Mm-hmm. That was right. never, and they'll come never and a conversation. See you play. They all they never miss shows, and very weirdly, wonderfully, my dad, after being apart for thirty years, and I'm not saying it's a romantic thing, but my dad just moved back into my mother's house last wow. weekend. Really? Wow. After moving out. 30 years ago. Wow. Silver lining on worst gig ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... How is that? I mean, that's it. It's up to you how far you want to go. But how's that? How do you feel about that? I mean... I Are you just nice. like, okay? It's it's interesting. I mean, it just happened. Right. Yeah. So you're still processing the yeah. concept. Yeah. So my dad moved back into the house that my parents bought together in 1975. Right. That's... Where, you know, whatever, the first... <laughs> Gig. The, 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 the scene of the first gig, you right. know, yeah. <laughs> where uh, it all began. That's real. I literally yesterday I was looking up the film career of Paul Mazursky, uh-huh. the director, and he made this movie in like 1973 called Bloom in Love, which I'd never heard oh. of, starring George Siegel. Mm-hmm. Did he also make An Unmarried Woman? He Is did, that, yeah, and he made Scenes from a Mall with Woody Allen yeah. and Bette Midler years mm-hmm. later. 
that's the one I remember uh, yeah. for. But in <laughs> in Bloom in Love, George Siegel, it's George Siegel, Chris Christopherson, hmm. and it's like early seventies. Yeah, no, I think it's. Uh, it might it might be streaming. The trail. It was like a, one of those really bad early seventies trailers where there's, you know, it, there's no music. Yep. It's just like taking scenes out of the film. It's, yeah, they're like, showing you it's like, like two and a half minutes long, parts. but it feels like it's seventeen. Minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's so boring. Seventies trailers are yeah. fucking terrible. But, they're not so, but the, the the premise of the film is that George Siegel is falls back in love with his ex wife, who is now with hippie dippy Chris Christopherson. Oh. Um, I. Rent it today. <laughs> yeah, I I will. Bloom in love. I mean, I but I don't I don't know what their relationship sure, sure, status yeah, is, but they're they're living together. Right. I mean, it's it's interesting. I certainly don't think my mom and dad are going to be moving in together anytime soon. So, Godspeed. But uh, to think that perhaps you know uh, you played a part. Not perhaps. I'm sure you you know you guys played a part in this a family affair. Yeah, yeah, in the in the good yeah. sense of the word, uh-huh. I guess. <laughs> um, It'll be easier for it. them to that now. They'll get to see us play shows together, which I don't think they ever have. Oh, I see. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't think they've ever seen us play a show together. That Going makes sense. For, uh, uh, my, which yeah. is kind of weird because I played a lot of shows. Yeah, over the past and they've gone to a lot years. of them. At, Always, yeah. That's I mean, intense. whenever we're. I mean, that feels intense for me. I've never just... had both of my parents in the audience yeah. at once. I've I never had remember. my father at any show. No. Uh, my mother went to one show of my hardcore band Orchid and got nauseous halfway through and left. <laughs> she told me. And then was worried I was gay for some reason after. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. I don't know what like, what is going on. And then went to maybe one or two yeah. Panther shows and, like, you know. My did mom. like the requisite like yeah. wearing a panther shirt while she's there uh-huh. and like my mom uh, had a record she saw us play once yeah uh appreciated always appreciated yeah and uh you know cool yeah, yeah. Right. then went back to her meatloaf record. Right. i mean i don't know how much because it was my brother and i together that that made them interested if it was just one of i i don't know yeah well, it's hard to say i don't know that's a that's a that's a good story Positive. Well, let's bring it down. Here, uh, <laughs> let me think of some other bad, really bad. I mean, you know, my brother and I would get into some fights sometimes. Oh, yeah. For sure. I can imagine. And that could be, you know, one time in particular, I just thought, well, I'm not going to get on stage tonight. Set, set the scene. It's not really much of a story. I just remember, I mean, it sounds pathetic and sad and childish. Just, you know, I don't know what we were fighting about. So it's not really yeah. much of a story. Yeah. But, but I actually threw threw something at him mm. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> which is good. not that's not good you know it's not a, no know, I, yeah. I i mean it's well fun. but that's the, i mean it's hard when i mean i'm sure that happens all the time with other bands especially if it's like a bunch of do- but it's like he can't really throw anything back because yeah. then that would get pretty you know and then having and then immediately going on stage and just being like so angry and bad mindset yeah. right it's i mean i guess i think it bad. didn't happen ever i don't think it not like we we were such a passive aggressive mm-hmm. lot that it like there's only like a handful of times i can picture and even those felt like they should have been more like they should have been bigger fight but there would be like weird bursts and like right you know of yeah. me and our drummers screaming at each other outside of vegas vegas <laughs> or new york new york yeah. casino uh in vegas yeah. and like uh, but like, 
Yeah, I don't know. Passive aggressiveness seemed more of the way that I would. Actually, it's funny because we all, we also, there was only, I mean, also a handful of times we got along very well for the most part. And one time playing a show in Spain, out mm-hmm. loading out. And I, I think I've told this story before. And we had a merch. Uh, some of our merch was in one of those old 70s, like hard shell suitcases. Mm-hmm. And I was loading it into the van um, with our drummer. And I hit him inadvertently in the head mm-hmm. with it. And he like threw a fit. And he's like, fuck this. I'm going back inside. And I think I said like, get over it. <laughs> and classic well, it, was, you know, it was it was it was it, you know it was tense it was in the middle of a european tour that was going very well and he like threw me up against the wall outside in an alley uh-huh. like he's like you know i can't remember exactly what he said but something in fact like it's like it's been because like, yeah, it had been whatever eight years or something up there so it was boiling yeah. over into that moment and then we made up the next morning in a mcdonald's uh bathroom oh nice in barcelona oh, that's romantic. romantic yeah, yeah very not much. in barcelona in uh uh madrid oh, okay that's better so yeah Even more romantic. Romantic. Right. i mean that's the thing i always say when people ask like how did you get along with your brother you know it's just like we were constantly sort of bickering and swearing at right. each other that so there was never that like boiling over, except yeah. this, you know. Well, I think it's the that's just the relationship that siblings can have. Yeah, I know, and it's something that I have tried to work on <clears throat> for years. Is that like I can be a real asshole to my brother? Right. Sure. I'll be beca- only because, and like I, yeah. I don't necessarily treat other people that way. Right. And it's just because I know <laughs> it's like there's this un- unbreakable bond right. that we have. Right. But I can be real shit. You know, but, well, I, I, think that's, I could have been. Not I'm everybody's like that. I have right. the same yeah. problem with my family, immediate yeah. family. I'm the worst to them. But other people are the nicest, you know, to mm-hmm. their siblings and their parents and they're mean to other people. But I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said like, when, cause clearly when you're young, my brother is four years younger than me. So like, you know, high school is off, you know, awful. Yeah. Like the, the, the last person I want to see publicly. Right. But then as you get older and like, you realize you have a lot more in common and then, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that like, oh, he looks up to me and like, right. I can't, you know, um, it's gotten, it's gotten better. But well, that could, I think for me, like, you know, because you end up, they become these, fam- even if you're like, even if you're a brother and sister or you end up just being family with these people anyways. And like, <laughs> so you're just in this kind of familial relationship because you're stuck in a van. I spent more time oh. in a van with them and with them as yes. people than I have with anyone right. ever besides my wife and sometimes I think even more yeah. so than my wife you like, know these people more intimately and especially with like you know the singer of Panther like we've known each other since seventh grade like he is my brother like mm-hmm. I'm not even a friend of it we're just brothers <laughs> mm-hmm. like and so like but and there's a certain like anchor in that too like and that can be the weird thing is like that ends up being like one of the weird psychological parts of tours like after a while you're like I'm angry about you hitting me in the head with this amp, but also I'm angry about that thing you did in eighth grade right. when this fucking dumbass said this thing and you didn't say that or whatever it is. Yeah. Because uh, you are just in this fucking shitty family relationship in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. Because the van is, and it's also because it's not the best way for a family to be. No. Or friends no. to be. It's like, hey, let's go uh, well, it's not normal. No, it's not normal. Eight to 12 yeah. hours at a time. But, so I, I guess a larger question is, you know, since you've clearly toured a lot and continue mm-hmm. to do so, how much do you really like it? Have you, <laughs> has you, has your pattern changed in terms of, do you go out for shorter periods of time now or what's, what's yeah, your relationship I mean, to it? it? I, I mean, I don't know. I did a month long tour in June when my album came out. 
that seemed and that that was interesting because I was with a bunch of people who haven't done that much touring. Mm-hmm. And that was so refreshing because, you know, they were going to a lot of places for the first time mm-hmm. and every day was fun and new for them. And that was really contagious. Their enthusiasm was contagious. So that helped a lot. Yeah. But and it was also the first time I kind of came back to New York and felt like this place is weird. You know, like <laughs> there, it didn't feel so extreme before, like how different New York is from everywhere else in the oh, country. Sure, yeah. And it really felt extreme this time, yeah. like being in Williamsburg afterwards and just just being surrounded by so many more people wherever you went. Mm-hmm, and yeah. that was interesting. Um, and uh, so I I think play, I've been playing with more people, than, more different people than I ever have in the last few years, which mm-hmm. helps keep things fresh, I guess. Yeah, right. For lack of a better word. But um uh, yeah, it's still fun. I feel like, you know, I take everything a little bit more easily now. It doesn't, I don't, I can remember just feeling like I was rushing every day. It was just like, oh my God, we gotta go. We gotta, it just mm-hmm. felt like so chaotic and so stressful. And it doesn't feel like that anymore. Right. Mm. And I don't know if that's just with time or what, you know. Well, I think, I, I think in retrospect, I certainly am like, oh, I wish I'd, that called cliche. I wish I'd smelled the roses a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Uh, cause, and I think it's like weirdly, at least for me, it's something like it's a day to day thing. And I think it applies to touring too. Like I would have that feeling. And I think a big chunk of it was because I felt like one control. Like I've got to like, if I don't take care of this stuff, no one else is going to. But also it's like, it felt, it feels really uncomfortable to not be stressing about stuff happening in the past or that is coming up. Right. And so then it also feels, starts to feel odd when you're like, oh, wait, I'm just kind of like, maybe I can just relax yeah. today yeah. and live in the moment. Like living in the moment just yeah. feels odd a lot of times to me. And so like, cause tour was essentially just five weeks of just like, all right, and then we got this coming up. Like, let's get through this set so we can get to this other set to do this other set. Well, but I think there's also a way, like I always, the novelty never wore off for me. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, we did it, we toured for about five years, you know, straight pretty much. Mm-hmm. And from like 25 to 30, which was like the perfect time to do it. And I always loved traveling and I got, you know, traveled as a kid. And so, um, there was always something to look, I always, I, it's now, we joke about it on the show all the time. Cause I talk about the promise of the West. <laughs> Because I grew up, I'm from Long Island, like so, like to go right. out west is yeah, like there's it's magical. Some, exactly, there's something there. So, um, especially when you drive all the way. there. Oh, it's amazing. And the other guys <laughs> in my so, band, I wish I felt that, that magic more. No, it's so so. And the example I always, it's like playing in Montana or someplace where like your expectations are low enough. It yeah. doesn't matter if anyone's going to be here. We're in Montana on a Monday yeah. night, but we're in Montana, and, yeah. and like so, I it never got to the point where, and you know, I look at people I know who are in larger bands and where like the only thing they have to do is get on stage and play. Yeah. Everything else is taken care of. Um And I, there was always an element of vacation to it. Okay. We're getting in the van. We're driving. Let's find a cool place to eat today. Oh, let's stop by the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota to, you know, like right. you, you make it worth. And so, so we never looked at it as like, Oh, this is a job. We have to do this. Um It's, we want to do this. And like, who else is, you know, the majority of people don't get to do this. So that's Fuck for the listener. You. Jeff just rolled his eyes. No, I know. I mean, it sounds. I know they were supposed to be talking about bad experiences, but it's. I think the best thing that's happened to me as a result of doing this now for over ten years is just like now I don't have those shows where it's like five people show up 
and that happens. It happens, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just, you play for those five people. You're, it's not the same kind of show. It's not like I'm going to be as aggressive and like upbeat and da- dance around and jump as I would if it was a room full of people. But those five people are going to remember this night, maybe more than yeah. five people that, you know, in a packed room yeah. will remember it. And right. you have to think about it that way and, and have fun regardless of the environment, you know, and I think I've finally wrapped my head around that and it's taken a long time, but I, I think I have. But I mean, what's also the, the flip side is that is that you've done the work to the point where like, to, you know, we, uh, neither of our bands ever got to the point where like, not worrying about if people were going to be there uh-huh. was right. was you know an option. Like it was always like, "Ooh, are people going to come out tonight?" So to get to that, just that point, right. like, well, there are going to be some people here tonight. You right. know, th- then you can worry about a whole other set <laughs> yeah. of problems. Right. You know, uh, so Mazel Tov to that. Uh, Mazel Tov. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I have a question before the question. This is you not related to ask anything. all the questions you want, buddy. I was thinking about this. I don't. Uh, I, I think, see, I want to see if this, if you guys agree with me. I think the best job would be like the rhythm guitar player for the Black Crows or for like Oasis. (laughs) Sounds like the worst job I could ever imagine. Go on. No, no, I'm serious. Like, yeah, lay it out. (laughs) I I just think it would be amazing. Why? Because. Does it have to specifically be those one or two bands? Think of a band and just like to be a rhythm guitar player. Black Crows, Oasis, like their songs aren't particularly difficult mm-hmm. to play, as I'm assuming. Like, so you want an easy job. Not yeah. I, well, no, no, I'm totally about putting in the work, but I just think that like you're not the center of attention. Uh-huh. You're not, uh, you know, maybe you're not doing press or whatever, but you're also reaping the benefits. So you of- want to be, you want to be uh, some 41 <laughs> playing Saturday Night Live. <laughs> They've got two guitarists in that band, but then there's that third guy. Who's behind the bass no, player? No, 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 no! I'm not talking and that he's guy. Got a, he's got—he's still dressed, but you can kind of see him. No, and he's the guy who's that's actually a, doing most. That's of the a heart. session guy. That's a session guy. I'm talking about a band where like there's usually a lead singer, right? And then there are two guitar players, a lead guitarist, and a. Why not guitarist. be the lead guitarist? Because be, oh, I've never fun? been a lead guitar oh, okay. player, and like I've always, <laughs> I was always more of an but Izzy than a Slash. Here, yeah, I'd rather be the drummer, probably. See, but, then you, but you're responsible for if well, the drummer well, fucks up. I know, but don't you want to be responsible? Well, no, of course. The rhythm guitarist. <laughs> wait, yeah. yeah what is it? What is, so wait, just you just play. want like you're looking for the easiest, most cushy. I want to play like a okay. Les Paul okay. in the background, right? But provide the rhythm. I, I, you know, that doesn't sound like fun. Oh, I think it would be. Yeah, I don't know. You if would it get does the sound. least amount of girls. Hey. Married man. Yep. It's like, oh, you know. so that part's oh. still real. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we're not. Like, this fantasy is the All worst. Right. Maybe I haven't thought this out. Though. I just think that that would be a great. Uh... What's uh, the question? I actually don't. There was no question. I don't think it would be a great. If that's the question, do I think that would be a great job? I don't. Like, I think like the novelty of that might wear yeah. off like really quickly. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh shit! Like I'm on tour with the Black Crows. Like, and I got to keep playing. And what? How many more dates do we have? Are you kidding 80? me? Yeah. Do I ever get to contribute anything to these songs? I'm just going to do rhythm. Oh, no, I, you know I what? I want to hear from the listeners. Email us worstgigever at gmail.com. But let me let us know what role you want. Why the black crows are awake? Okay, because like I was the dog is. By the way, our dog the pillow. The piece is laying on my headphones right now. Beats by bap is what we call these. I was listening to the black crows song Remedy. Yeah. There, which I remember I, that. It's, I think it holds up. I think it's a great song. You picked like the first, one of the bands I The first I concert I ever went to was uh, Robert Plant. 
when I was yeah. 12 or 13. And the Black Crows were the opening band, like before they... You know. On the Shake Your Money Maker, uh... I think it was before the album came out. Or it was okay. just about to come out. You know, no, anyway. I, I don't particularly one of my like. Best friends I saw in, Black Crows uh, twice. One of my best friends, Jesse, <laughs> had to go and put his uh, gym shirt over his Black Crow shirt in high school because it was because. the logo of the two of the, the two crows smoking a joint. Oh, that's yeah. right. So they made, he made him cover it up. I don't know. There's something about the Black Crows that uh, you know. I don't. I mean, there was an obnoxious quality to them, but the song "Remedy" came on my uh, playlist. It was just like. You like the song's pretty good. It's still like it holds <laughs> up. The production sounds great. The weird thing, though, it even also siblings so in that band. Siblings. There were two That's brothers, Chris and uh, Chris if you and Ross Rodden. Back, rich, rich. I think actually the rhythms are kind. Of, the rhythm part might actually be harder than the leads. In, That's true. In, in Black Crows. Well, then, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm up for the challenge. Uh, 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 oh, now you're cha- now you want a challenge in your life? Look, I know. I, I, was I mean, essentially, oversimplifying. Just, I'm really. This question is one of the more interesting ones you've asked in a very long time. You essentially are saying, I, you want the music job that's the equivalent of the boring desk job. Like I don't just know. the like, I, <laughs> like a, I just want to be in like look, the town next to my hometown, just no, like, well, working well, at like you know Shushi Bum Bum Incorporated. That's, that's that's more of an oversimplification. I think that the uh, I'm not a flashy guy. Um, you know, rhythm is can be as complicated. I'm I'm done with this question. Why right? bother being in a rock band? Son, you know, right. I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to get that on tape. Okay. Um, <laughs> What's the worst thing about you that you would like to change? And this could be wow. personal. <laughs> this could be this the could be professional. Thing. This could be not playing rhythm guitar for the Black Crows. This is whatever. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I want to work on is my rhythm guitar and the Black Crows. I mean, I would like to be a, a better guitar. I, one thing I'm ashamed of is not being a better musician. Yeah. At this That's point good. in my life. Yeah. You know, especially since I've considered it a full-time job for quite a long time and I still haven't taken a guitar lesson. You know, yeah. like I don't know how to tune my guitar without <laughs> well, using you a tuner. No. You know what oh, I mean? Without like the tuner, forget about it. Well, see, I mean, I should be able to listen. I'd be like, oh, no, like I know how you know how you do it. I'll tell you my secret trick. What? Coming down the mountain by James Addiction. My buddy Justin Chero taught me because it goes That's the E. There's your first strike. <laughs> but but the do 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 do. There's your e. So you at least you'll be at the ballpark. No, the, the my the only problem with tuning by ear is how do you know if the e is right? I can tune by ear, but I don't know if the e is right. right. Well, you can tune to the e that you have. You right. Know, okay. Which is good enough. But anyway, I'm just I feel like I've I've been extremely lazy at just being better at what I do. Right. But I think there's also a difference between creating music and being a songwriter. And being like a virtuoso. Well, yeah, but I'm not talking about being a virtuoso. I just want to, you know, like I should have taken like a, a piano lesson and, you know, right. yeah. just practiced more. Every yeah. once in a while, my wife will just like throw out like, you know, you could do an after school at my school and like teach music. And bass like, clinic. I literally cannot. <laughs> like, I know nothing. Like, right. I've been playing bass and guitar for 15 years and I don't know what the notes are on the neck. Like I know E A D G. Yeah. I don't. If you were like fourth fret, I'm like I don't know. Like in G sharp that way. That's the thing. Like, <clears throat> and there was a period where I was like, I'm gonna learn that. I'm gonna sit there and learn it, yeah, and I gave up in about five minutes because I was like, but I know right. what I'm doing. No, I think that's. I think that's. You just buy one of those Mel Bay books. Sometimes you like, just feel like I get it. You feel like you're like I'm saying I'm a musician, but in some ways, yeah, I feel like I can't. And I've used this excuse of like, oh, part of my 
charm as being naive in this way and I right. don't want to spoil that and know too much. I mean, that is bullshit. So <laughs> right. I can't. That's that's something that. Well, if you I really want to earn bad. that prog title that you guys, well, I, I mean, I don't, Learn I don't, some <laughs> I don't, scale. but yeah, but I was like, also, I was in a band with my brother who, he's not, you know, he was huh. trained a little bit, right? But there's something <laughs> about not like none of the guys in my band, including myself, were trained really, and there, mm-hmm. I think there's you can learn how to play. Uh, in an interesting way that mm-hmm. way like our drummer really had never played drums before our band so he right. taught himself some fakakta way to play drums right. and he got like amazing at it but it, it was a unique way of right. playing drums and but I there are those days there those, i remember just like and thinking of like drums being an instrument after all these years i wish i could play cannot do it at all got mm-hmm. no I'll rhythm on yeah. it but like Jer- like someone like jerry fuchs like he was like i would watch him i'd be like oh right that's why you train yeah because he would do it all the time he'd just sit there and just go yeah well it's about you know right now i've been playing with a drummer who went to oberlin conservative music and like Mm -hmm. plays jazz blah blah blah, and like and he practices every day right you know right and i'm like what is he practicing i don't know but he practices (laughs) every day and that's what you have to do right I yeah. think a lot of listening, like, you know, I listen to a lot of technical metal and a lot of prog. And then I'm like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I'm just kind of playing whatever I well, play. Mm-hmm. And there are those moments where I'm like, oh, I would love to be like, oh, we're in the Hungarian Mixolydian mode. Yeah. Okay, let me just shift to that. Right. You know, it's, yeah, I do. I, I've done a lot of like commercial music production stuff. And mm-hmm. basically it's, I would never, I don't have the confidence to be like, oh, you want like a Western score? Sure, I'll be able to right. figure Like I could not, I can't read music. Right. I could, but like, like, oh, let me futz around right. on the keyboard right. and try to figure. But how hard out. is it to read music? I, I bet it's really not hey, that Lindsay hard. Hey, Lindsey Buckingham does not read music. Well, it's, people, I find it impossible. But but I bet it would be pretty easy. Well, you know what's interesting? I mean, when I, did I played, when I was a little kid, I took some piano lessons. When I played you know, violin, but, and when I was a kid, yeah, you uh, could read music. I think up until I think it would take like a day. My my teacher to had to write the fingerings. <laughs> I, I I'm, much like I do. Like he basically, it would be an entire like all the music, and then over it would be three, two, one, 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 yes, three, right. three, three, like nonstop in red. My uh, um last year, my wife got me for my birthday gift a set of piano lessons oh. from this lovely the polish gentleman who lives uh, right around the corner yeah. oh yeah that place uh, looks amazing that guy, yeah so i took i took piano lessons there and um i taken piano lessons when i was in like middle school and he taught he retaught me how to read yeah because it's different i didn't you know it's different for the treble and the bass clef you know yeah, it's, yeah. and now i've already forgotten it but the problem <laughs> with that is it was like four lessons uh-huh. and um after the i just was fretting like after the fourth one he's gonna want me to continue right and each lesson is like 60 bucks and, I, like, oh, wow. and so i had to pull and he was it's a super nice guy he's like a um, he was a, a concert, he was a conductor, mm-hmm. concert pianist in, uh, in Poland. Um, and I came up with some half-assed excuse about how, like, I got this freelance job and I wasn't going to be able to. No, this, this is what happened. This is why it's heartbreaking. <laughs> After the end of the fourth lesson, I, co- I didn't have the heart to tell him, like, I can't do another one. So, like, you had to call I'll pay, him. no, like, I'll pay for a fifth lesson <laughs> and then I'll tell him. And I was getting ready to go to the fifth lesson and I get a call from him and he said, Michael, I cannot, I I'm, apologize for my accent. I apologize, <laughs> but I have to take my friend to the hospital uh, right now. I'm going to have to cancel the lesson. Yeah. And then I knew that was my end. So I said, right. actually, <clears throat> I was planning on telling you I got this other job and I can't take lessons anymore. And then just a moment of silence and then, oh, okay. 
I felt terrible. And now, like, I can't walk my dog right down past. the street because I'm afraid he's going to see me. And he's got and... such a cool storefront. It is. Yeah. It's great. He's got musical Michael. Kavorka. I like just he's gonna... need one more lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, but I love taking pe- But then what was weird is that, like, he ch- I'd be doing these scales and basic stuff. And then I'd be like, hey, I'm working on this song. Like, song. I don't know. And I played it for him. I could tell he was like, whoa. Because I was, right. but I'm doing some weird right. like, thing, like, but I'm playing it the way that I right. kind of figured out how to play. Right. It's like, oh, you do not suck. So, <laughs> right. Anyway. <Bleh. laughs> um, so, Eleanor, we've come full circle here. Yes. I mean, you've given us an, across the board a number of great uh, bad gigs. Good. And Good. we've, I'm you know, sure I've got so many more to share. You know what happens is the guest usually thinks of them once right. we end. Right. Uh, but now you've given us more than enough ammunition uh a question that we ask all of our guests okay what do you think of the word gig Gig. i don't use it unless i'm being kind of sarcastic (laughs) yeah i think it's a bad word (laughs) it sounds cheesy to me but i use it but um like i said i've been playing with this band they're all about 10 years younger than me and I've had this kind of joke, maybe it's even started before them, where I would say, like, I'd give them my gigging tips, <laughs> and I was going to make, like, a YouTube kind of oh, that's set cool. of videos uh-huh. called, like, EF's Gigging Tips. <laughs> and, uh, like, you could only use the word gigging, like, in that context, because yeah. it's so corny. Apostrophe N. Gigging, yeah. And apostrophe, yeah. So I still think I should do that series, <clears throat> Gigging Tips. Like, one gigging tip is, like... Always carry a Sharpie wherever you go. Oh, that's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. For the listener, that's good advice. He has gigging tips paying off (laughs) right away. Um, But I don't like the word. I mean, I like to say show or concert. Right. Yeah. 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 You're in the you're in the right with this opinion. I mean, who likes gig? But people say you'd be surprised. Yeah, it depends on who the the person across the board depends on what they do for a living. Like if they're older. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely. If yeah. they're a musician, but they're older, they like yeah. gig probably. So every once in a while, someone will be like, "What do you mean? It's yeah. a word, right? Yeah, just yeah. kind of defensive." What I don't. Uh, what's even more annoying is when someone uses the word gig for like some other kind of job, right? That has yeah. nothing to do with music. Well, that's we get a lot of comics on the show, and they will. Well, I just mean like, oh, they work at what a, you know, Sushi Bum Bum Incorporated. Yeah, and they're like a. I got my new gig. It's a blah, 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 blah. It's yeah. just like, All right. but I, you're typing? You know what? <laughs> yeah, my gig. So, Eleanor, this is this has been uh, fantastic. Look, you may be ha- having to get back to Mount Mumbacus sometimes. <laughs> yeah, soon. I need like, to get climbing stuff Mount is going on. Mumbacus. So, from Jeff and I, we just want you to get home safe. Thank you. Worst gig ever. Ever. ever.